0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk.
1: You're very welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. On Wednesday evening, one of Drogheda's greatest sons, Vincent Hoy, departed this life. His passing has evoked a massive outpouring of tributes from near and far. You see, Vincent was foremost a Droghedaian, but he was a proud Irishman and a man of the world. From humble beginnings in the old Cord Road in Drogheda, Vincent enjoyed a long and fulfilling life, surrounded by a wonderful family business associates, colleagues and friends and a wider circle of friends across life, especially in the world of sport and Drogheda United. And those friends were here at home and extended wide and far abroad. Today, I want to pay tribute to Vincent by returning to an interview I did with the great man back in March of this year, which aired here on Late Lunch on LMFM in April. I'm also joined in studio by a long-time friend and close associate of Vincent's, Anna McKenna, who soldiered with Vincent for years at Drogheda United and succeeded him as chairperson of Drogheda City Status Group when he became ill recently. Anna, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. First, perhaps... You tell us, I know you were very close to Vincent and you were up with him. You visit him regularly recently when he was in the hospice.
3: Yeah, Eugene and I went up last week. I'd always check with Connor first to see if it was okay to go up. We went up to him last week and he was reminiscing about the first youth team that he played on. He could mention all the names and of course Eugene McKenna was there too and the two of them were talking about that. And um, he was in a very contented place when we were talking to him. Uh, Delighted to see us and... um, Wished as well and winked at us when we were going out.
1: <laughs> and he understood the time was short.
3: Oh, he did. He did. Yes. Yeah, and for some time now, I think he understood that. And
1: he had accepted that and, yes. s- and faced it with yeah. strength and fortitude.
3: Well, that would be Vincent. Vincent would um, fight for what he believes in, but he would accept the decision if it's a fair decision. He was a very fair man. Uh, but he would fight for what is right. And uh, he accepted, I I, I believe, uh, his death was imminent.
1: How would you describe him for people who may not know this man? And if you were to say to people today, this is who he was, this is what he was, what would you say about him?
3: Well, Vincent, for me, first of all, he was a very trustworthy person. He was a person that you could talk to, and um, he was very human. He was great empathy with people he understood people's problems he liked to help people he was very passionate about everything he did and he was passionate about Drogheda and he would say that he, was, he could trace his family tree in Drogheda back a thousand years he was very proud of that and he was very visionary he could see things very far ahead and he couldn't understand why other people couldn't see them and sometimes you get frustrated with that Um. He loved Drogheda. He, As he said, made a quote one time that he loved this very stone that he walked on in Drogheda. I remember him saying that. He was kind and he was very compassionate. And if he knew anybody was in trouble, he'd said to me, Anna, if you know anybody that's stuck now, he said, let me know. And never a word.
1: That's the thing about him. Besides what he's known for primarily, the football club. Yeah. But he helped so many people yeah, in deep life. Deep down, kind. Mm-hmm. He was. And there was never, ever a word, a word about it. No, no. It. That was the thing about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he
3: loved nature, Jerry. Mm. He loved nature. And he loved trees. And he'd go down in our backyard and he'd be looking at the flowers and... He just loved nature. I think he was stopped. Some trees been cut down in Stamina way back years ago. He yeah. objected to trees been cut down. He loved nature and everything to do with nature.
1: I remember when I got to know him as I was quite a young fellow at the time when he came across me, me, him. I knew him at the club from I went there as a child and as a kid. But when I became involved at the club as PRO, yeah. I got to know him. Then I was sitting on the board yeah. with him and he knew I was an angler. Yeah. And he was fascinated by fishing yeah. and what I did and how it worked. I remember getting him a lovely trout once and giving it to him for sea yeah. and God, he was over the moon. Yeah, but yeah. He, he was in touch with nature.
3: Yeah. Wasn't he a great listener? Ah, the best. He could listen to anything, <laughs> and he loved poetry. Yeah. Um, he was always quoting me bits of poetry to me and say, "And I, do you know what he came across?" And he'd read a bit of poetry. And in fact, himself and myself wrote a letter to Barack Obama once when he was president, and he sent a bit of um, John Boyle O'Reilly's poetry to him. Nobody knew that. Really? just if, And I, if the phone rang at seven o'clock at night, I'd say, that's Vincent. And he'd say to me, which, which really made me feel very humble at times when he'd say, Anna, can I run something past you mm. where I would feel... I should be saying it to him. Can I yes, run something
4: past you, But he you, trusted Vincent?
1: you and you were yeah. so close to him. The other thing you have to say about him is what you say there. How did he for years keep his cool and tolerate all the meetings he chaired with all the various characters and the politics and people pulling in this way and that way? Yeah. And
3: yet he managed to did do you, it. Did you ever listen to any stories you tell about the characters in the town? Mm. He'd sit and tell us different stories about the different characters and the reactions and all. He had a great, he just loved what he was doing. And I think that was the whole thing. It was a passion and the love that he had for what he was doing.
1: Well, now you're talking about love. So let's begin by going back to that interview and hearing about love. Because the first extract we're going to hear is Vincent telling me about the time... He met his wife Gisela. Gisela. And this happened, I can tell you, in Greece in 1965. He went out there with Liam Maher, a businessman from Drahada. He'd never been abroad before. And here Vincent takes up the story of how he met his future
5: wife. We met this man and woman, lady, and I think from London, who were in the rag trade. And we made friends with them and had a meal with them and all this, so, so that she knew us. So this night we're sitting out on the veranda at the hotel. The moon is shining. We're having a few drinks and all this. And uh, she comes along and she took one look at us and said, what are all you fellas doing sitting there? You should be out chasing girls. And I said, listen, I said, we don't know any girls here or anything else. How? how there's a nice girl down there, she said. Gisela was sitting down at the other end where our mother and father uh, and uh, why don't you go down and, and, and introduce yourself to her? I said, you must be joking. I mean, <laughs> how could you, we couldn't, you couldn't do that, I said. You know, Well, she said, if you won't do it, I will. And she went down, had a ward, I could see her talking. Next thing is, she arrived up with Gisela by the hand and sat her down beside me. That's the truth, and... I can go a little further because I, <laughs> I have Gisela's side of the story as well. One or two of the fellows that were with me, one in particular, was a bit of a ladies' a man. As he, I, I was very reticent and very, really, and he was giving her a bit of a line, so, and it brought me in to protect Gisela. Funny thing, you know. So uh, one by one, they 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 got up and left, and uh, I was left with Gisela. And then I said, so, "Well, got jacked and everything." I said, "Would you like to go dancing?" Um, so she said, Oh yeah, okay. So the following night we went dancing to a place called Roads by Night. I'll always remember it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And some of the boys came down later and said, We'll be down after you, Vincent. We'll we you know so they came down and had one look at the two of us and said, I think we better get lost.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history, is history as they yeah. say. Yes, roads by night was where it all began mm-hmm. for Vincent and Gisela. Mm-hmm. Can't you see the twinkle in his yes, eye yes. as he yeah. describes that scene? He then? told
3: us that story too. He loved he loved his wife and he loved his family as he did Drogheda. Mm-hmm. He was passionate about everything. And um, the old Drada Society had a function um, last Christmas... Christmas um, 2018, and he was invited up as guest speaker. Now, Vincent wasn't well then, mm. and he came up being unwell and spoke with that. That's actually. And that what was from Dublin he travelled yeah, down. Yeah, I know to because he was that.
1: living there lately, but yes. that was his commitment. Let's listen to something now that, that ties in with that, Anna, which is about the town that he loved. And here, Vincent is speaking about Drogheda.
5: I am very strong about what I call a sense of place. You know you know that song about Derry, these people, you know, that clown I love so well. And that's Drogheda to me. And I know that Drogheda, if you had a map of Ireland and look at it and you wanted to build a city and the one none, that's the place you'd bought it really because, I mean, it has everything. We have, and think of... Think of the, the seaside where I spent so many years and all that. All the different places from Tam and Fekin, Baltrey, and Mornington, Leyton, Berdyton, Gormont. It's all there, the Golden Sands. The river, historically, that River Boyne, so much history in it. And then the Boyne Valley and its beauty and so forth. <clears throat> all, the, all the historical connections. I don't have to list them because they're well known. And even the land, that's the most fertile land around uh, anywhere in the country. Its situation on the main highway, the M1, down running by it, in the centre of what we call that corridor uh, between Dublin and Belfast, uh, the economic corridor, the, the main line north to south running by it. I mean, it's 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 an extravagance of riches. And it is true to say that we did not and have not uh, realised its potential.
1: Yes, Vincent, speaking passionately there, and mm. as you hear about Drogheda, and he bemoaned things that happened in the towns, the destruction of the Bullring, you know, this, yeah, the George's Square. Bridges. You yeah. talked about he, had, he could see, he had a vision back then yes. of what that could mean. But yet it went ahead, and it was flattened and destroyed.
3: He was very saddened by all wasn't that. wasn't he yeah, and if he's talking he was talking to you about it, you could feel the sadness or hear the sadness in his voice when he when he would be saying it um mm. it's hard it's hard to to um state the love the deep deep love and passion that he had for anything he did
1: mm. oh no he he certainly had an he was involved in job creation, we want to mention as well, extensively. His, his business, BV High, there, one of the foremost, you yes. know, solicitors' practices in, in this region and beyond. And of course, we must remember, he won the gold medal. He told me this in the year he did his law exams. He won three major awards and the gold medal never done before at that state. He was so brilliant. His mm. mind was so brilliant, well, a brilliant remember, legal mind. I
3: remember him telling me he was given the opportunity to travel out of Ireland. And he wouldn't because he loved Drada. Mm. And I mean, he had the ability. Yes, he had everything to get on as yeah. far as he wanted. He could have
1: gone anywhere and practiced. Anywhere, That's anywhere. so true. And and in the full interview, you will hear that. Let's move on because I want to get to the football yeah. and people. But lots of people commenting already. If you want to mention something about Vincent, or comment oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight by WhatsApp or text. That's oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight or eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight if you'd like to call in. Our next little piece with Vincent High takes us to football. And the time Drada won the cup, will we ever forget it, Anna? Never. In 2005 for the first time.
3: He cried. Oh,
1: he did. And yeah. here he's talking about the morning after the day before.
5: Tom Monster, my goodness me, what a gentleman he was. And he just loved the, the club. I'm down in the in the hotel, down in the hotel there was all kinds of people there, newspaper people and everything. And, and uh, so I said, look, I'm going up to to bring this cup up to Tom oh, he wasn't well at the time <laughs> I said for me I'm going up the cord road and I knock on the door with this cup you know <laughs> and Tom opened the door well the tears would flow everybody including me I can tell you and he, he said <laughs> he come in and he brought the cup in and his sister had died only a month or two before whom I knew well and he brought it over and put the cup on the chair he said that was our chair there you know well what could you do for Tom more than that? Nothing. And I can tell you that when we won the league, Tom's eyesight went to, you know, he couldn't see. But he was up in, he was in the hospital in Dublin. And, and uh, I said, <laughs> I'm bringing this up. The, the, the big li- league trophy, you know. And sure, in we went to the, into the hospital. And Tom was in bed there. And I said, Tom... Yeah, the cup wasn't enough for you, I said, "Here, yeah, we had the league trophy by you as well." And he got his picture taken with the nurses and everything. Now, nobody could. It's, I, I'm the one who got more out of that than even you know, tell. I mean, you couldn't do any more for a man than do that. And uh, yeah, it was all. The, 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 some of the newspaper people came up with the cup the time I went up with the cup, and that's what I mean about how what what it can mean to people in the club. So there are golden moments ahead when when will really get a repetition of this yeah.
1: Yes, Vincent, there joyously recalling, Anna, uh, those times when mm. Drahada won the Cup and the League and what it meant. And if you just take from what he said there, he got more of a thrill despite all the time, effort, money he put in. It's inquantifiable what he yes, did for yes. the football club. There wouldn't be a football club no, without him. No. But the joy he got from that simplicity.
3: Yes, he was an exceptional person and he was an all-inclusive person. If, you were in, if he was in company, no matter whose company he was in, and he saw... You, he'd call you over. He was never one to exclude anybody from any, anything that was going on. He made every and when we were away on the international matches. He would always say, Anna, make sure those young ones are okay, won't you?
1: Yeah, he, <laughs> he had the really, concern there yes, all the he time. He had that care.
3: Yeah.
1: We're heading to a short break. Vincent Hoy passed away on Wednesday. We're paying tribute to him on late lunch today. He was my friend, he was so many people's friend. He was a great man. Stay with us mean, you just mentioned there before the break about the European adventures and our next uh, piece from Vincent is actually talking about the times when Drogheda qualified for Europe
5: and those wonderful trips. Let's hear him. The trips to Europe were just out of this world, you know. I have to remember one occasion when I'm sitting in Italy in, in, in uh, San Marino before the match started and next thing over there I didn't know that anybody knew it was my birthday. It happened to be my birthday. And over the public address system, they all said, now we'd like to wish Vincent Roy a uh, happy birthday. And everybody in the ground stood up and sang happy birthday. And they even had a, had a cake and everything else. Oh, Paddy Martin, I can't think of them now. The, 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 the gas we had in it was really good. <laughs> I remember being in a pub in Helsinki singing every kind of songs <laughs> with a cr- we had wonderful times really you know it's great Yeah, but there's so many things to remember one of the things that I loved was when we lost over in in the Ukraine I was in the, the box with these Ukrainians very big club you know Dynamo Kiev. we all but beat them I mean to this day I just can't how we didn't beat them first of all Robinson hit the inside of one post ran across the line and hit the other and came out. It was unbelievable. And then a chap called Hughes, if you remember him, yeah. He he, he got through, passed the goalkeeper, nothing to do, when he hit the ball into the net and he got his foot under the ball and it went over the bar. Unbelievable. But they were so nervous. If we'd got the goal, it was an away goal, we would have won. But what I did like afterwards was the whole crowd in that stadium stood up and applauded the drawder team off the field now you know and I was outside and they were on the run. on I'm on television and everything and they're saying what are you going to do Mr Hoy with that wonderful little team you have oh, wonderful. and I was thinking God we're going to back back home and it's not going to be great because we're, you know what I mean but these are my magic moments really magic that's right yeah
1: yeah they were magical moments indeed thank you for your comments Vincent was a true legend of the town He did more than anyone will ever know for Drogheda United. Now, let's complete his vision and get this new stadium built. And I think everybody says, here, here to that. Mary Reynolds has been on. Hello, Mary, a true Drogheda man. His sporting love was Drogheda United. A team he worked tremendously hard for over the years. We'll miss him. We really will in the town. Thank you, Mary. And more besides coming there. He he loved the Bonhomie of, you know, that company abroad and meeting people from different countries. And he was
3: at ease. And everybody knew him. Hmm. And they wanted to, they wanted to, they gravitated to him because he was so friendly. Milo Cochrane and Paddy Martin and Vincent and uh, there was a few others from the town there with them too. And I remember Mary Reynolds, she just mentioned her there. Paddy got lost. Nobody could find Paddy. And we're all worried about where Paddy was. And Vincent had us all looking for Paddy. But Paddy was up in his bedroom taking a rest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not a bother yeah, remedy. And there's a man that soldiered by his side for yeah, years, the Paddy, great Paddy Martin yeah, as well. Such Paddy a will friend Oh, yes, hugely, yes, yeah, hugely, yeah, yeah. hugely. Yeah. Let's hear uh, uh, the final little piece from that interview uh, back in March, where Vincent talks about the love of his life. Sorry, Giesler, you wear the love of his life, of course. But the other love of his life,
5: Traherty United. Don't let that club fade in Drogheda. We've been there for a hundred years now, We ups and downs and wins and losses, a hell of a lot more losses than wins, <laughs> but we have great memories, and I have made great friends. I have them all over Ireland, uh, and I, I, I met them the other night at the, at the when we were up at the, the award, and they come, and, and it brings you back. And There's a camaraderie about it, but it's important for Drogheda. And I want to say something to the people of Drogheda who are listening to me now. Treat this club as your possession, you as a citizen of Drogheda. It belongs to you. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't never belong. I always thought myself as a trustee of it, to save it and preserve it. Drogheda owns this club. Look
1: after it. What words they are to everybody today, and and that's the way he honestly felt about it. it Despite is. he saved it, I say again, there would be no club without Vincent Hoy. He stepped in, he drove it to glory as well when it happened. Well, I
3: remember coming out of the courts up in Dublin when it was talk of it going into receivership, and that it didn't didn't go that way, and he cried. His daughter Roisin was there too. It was a great um, a great time, and Vincent showed us. Uh, Oh, it, it's a real commitment to the club and to people. He didn't want to let the people down. Mm. It, it was, um, I'll never forget it.
1: Mm. And that The was emotion he had. The save, and it was saved again. Yeah. It was really on the point of yeah. going out of business. But you know what I want to say? I want to again say today to Gisela, to Roisin, to Francis and Connor that we remember them all today and yes. we offer our sympathies again. And I will say that Vincent need have no worries because his son Connor is now chairman of the club. And it's Brilliant in person. safe hands, yes. real safe hands. And I know Connor will deliver on his father's wishes and legacy.
3: Well, I would feel that too, Jerry.
1: It's hard not to get emotional.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It really is. Mm-hmm. I just want to read um, some words, and I take a liberty here, and I hope Connor doesn't mind. Um, Vincent mm-hmm. left a message for the family, and I just want to read these words. They opened it after he passed, and this is what he said I've had a wonderful life don't mourn me get on with the business of living
3: that would be Vincent
1: I think that sums the man up the type of man he was Yes. I want to finish today Annette by thanking you thanks for coming here I know you'll miss your friend deeply as well but I know like many others you're determined to carry that flame forward thanks
3: for the opportunity not at
1: all and I wanted to pick a song for Vincent today and I've decided to go with Don McLean there are words in this song that sum up Vincent Hoy, to a T. Others may not, but there are words in this song that really have meaning to me when I think of Vincent. Rest in peace, one of Drogheda's greatest sons.
6: Amen. Starry, starry night Paint your palette blue and grey Look out on a summer's day They never
5: win. Don't lose that club now. That's my final word. And look after the town of Drogheda and you'll get it all back. It's a magical place.
1: I want to tell Late Lunch listeners a wee story today. I was heading to holidays year before last, the summer of 2018. And Margaret Madden, who you know well from Book Club on Late Lunch, said to me, there's a book there you should bring with you on holidays because I was looking for a couple of reads. You know when you have downtime at the pool. And the book was called The Tattooist of Auschwitz. So at the airport, I bought the book along with one or two others. And off I go to Italy. And I picked it up on one of my down days at the pool. And to be honest with you, I just couldn't put it down from the moment I started reading it. It's the most remarkable book, I'll tell you ever. I raged. I cried. I smiled at times. But in the end, I understood the endurance of love and humanity. And today on Late Lunch, I am so delighted to tell you that joining me on the line is the author of that book, Heather Morris. Heather, you're very welcome to the show.
4: Oh, thank you so much, Jura. It's such a pleasure to be talking to you.
1: Let me begin by asking you, the subject of this book is Lail Sokolov, and you met him back in 2003. How did mm-hmm. that meeting come about?
4: It was really weird. I was having a cup of coffee with a friend, and she just casually said to me, I have a friend whose mother has just died. His father has asked him to find somebody he can tell a story to. That person can't be Jewish. You're not Jewish. Do you want to meet him? I asked her, what's the story? And she said, I don't know. And I said, oh, it doesn't matter. Yes, I'd love to meet him. And a week later, I knocked on Lally's door. And so began the most amazing three years of my life.
1: It's incredible the way it happened. And he opened up to you. He said to you, I want to tell my life story. And over a period of time, he recounted all those painful memories.
4: Yeah, but it wasn't that easy. There was a man who, every time I met him for the first three or four months, greeted me with, have you finished my book yet? You know I have to be with Gita. But he was giving me his story and really disconnected vignettes and snippets and nothing was gelling, timelines were all over the place, because he was so grief-stricken. And it was a matter of just spending time with him and listening and listening and then taking him home to meet my family. Because it occurred to me, why would this man entrust me with this incredible story when he wanted to, but he didn't know me? And so by meeting my family, he then became part of my family and he then found out who I was. Then we saw the shift, that change physically and emotionally as he started unburdening and telling me the emotional and incredibly evil and horrible acts that he had witnessed and experienced. Of which only 20%, I should say, probably in in the book.
1: You mentioned Gita there, and of course, that was his wife, and that was the woman he met in Auschwitz when he was the tattooist, and he met this young girl there, and look, people should just get the book and read this story, because (laughs) it's incredible how they both survived and went their separate ways, and in the end, well, I said there at the beginning, love is enduring, isn't it?
4: Absolutely, and I know I have a Hollywood ending for it, and I can't apologise for that, folks, because that's exactly how it happened. And not just from the words in the mouth of Lully, who told me how he found each, they found each other, but I saw Gita's shower tape, a, a videotape she made for Steven Spielberg's shower foundation. And there she described their meeting each other after the war back in Bratislava in even more glowing terms. And she finished off by saying, and that was the only time in the 60 years I have known Lully that he was speechless.
1: You know in the world today where apologists for the Nazis are trying to put out this story that the Holocaust didn't happen mm-hmm. and it wasn't as bad as it was. Are you getting that? Have you felt that?
4: Not very much. Um, and given the countries I've been to and the number of people I've spoken to in the last and years, I've been surprised. Maybe they stay away from me. The one or two who have come to talks I've been giving... And stood up and interrupted me and uh, had a bit of a go, what we call them Holocaust deniers. I give them about 30 seconds and then I just point my finger at them and I say, is there anything I can say to make you change your mind? And they rant a bit more and I say, well, there's nothing you can say to make me change mine. Now sit down or get out. (laughs) And uh, they're basically cowards and they always run.
1: The book is, as I said, such a gambit of, of emotions. Yeah. The man himself, Lale Sokolov, he lived until he was 90 years of age mm-hmm. and he passed away in 2006. Did he ever see the screenplay, because this began as a screenplay before the book, or was he aware that that was happening?
4: Oh, absolutely. Uh, he saw many drafts of the screenplay. He has totally signed off on the book, by default, because it is an adaptation of my screenplay. Now, not only did he read many drafts, but a production company in Melbourne had the story or the screenplay optioned for six years. And he was working with them uh, with the storylines and then helping them and they were filming him and he and I together were working with them. And he just loved it. I think that's uh, partly what kept him going was being able to see his story coming alive. So absolutely, he read the screenplay, not the novel.
1: People would say, normally you hear of a book being adapted, you know what I mean, for stage yeah. or screen. You've done it the other way around.
4: Yeah, I did. Back to front. But what does it matter as long as the story gets <laughs> told? And, and because hey, I was living in Australia nobody knew who I was. Nobody other than this initial production company wanted to even consider a screenplay by an unknown person. And getting nowhere after I got the option back, and I was visiting my sister-in-law and brother in San Diego and complaining about those sods only 100 miles up the road in Hollywood who didn't know a good story but hit them over the head. And my sister-in-law just looked at me and said, oh, for goodness sake, write this thing as a book and get on with it. Really? I can't write a book? I don't know how to write a book. Because I've learned how to write a screenplay, but I gave it a go and I wrote a book.
1: You certainly wrote some book. And I just want to remind listeners, since publication, The Tattooist of Auschwitz has sold over three million copies worldwide. And did you know this, Heather Morris, that since it entered the Irish bestsellers charts in early 2018, it has remained as a bestseller in Ireland every single week since?
4: I was told that yesterday evening when I flew into Dublin and... Oh, folks, I'm so overwhelmed and touched that you have embraced Lally's story the way you have. It is amazing. In fact, the stat that I was given, of all the c- copies sold so far in the world, Ireland, with your tiny little population compared to many, many others, has 12% of the sales. Now, that is phenomenal.
1: It certainly is, but it shows you how we've taken Lally and your book to our hearts uh, as well. The options beyond this for you, beyond the book, I, I believe there's a drama in the planning?
4: Yes, there's a six-part series in development by a UK production company and I'm delighted for that because that's how Lally ultimately saw his story playing out on the screen and he was so excited about it and he and I had to go to movies, movie after movie, because while he was alive, he was trying to find perfect person to play Lally Sokolov. Um, of course, anyone that he settled on back in 2005, 2006 are now way too old. He initially wanted Brad Pitt because he thought he was a good-looking boy and that Lally was a good-looking boy and it should be Brad Pitt. But um, yes, he settled on Ryan Gosling in the end.
1: <laughs> Not bad. Not a bad Not choice bad. at all, I have to say. You know, when you're writing the book and, and and you're sitting down and you're putting the story together, is it in the back of your mind at all, Heather, that you want to remind people, or was that in Lally's mind as well, what happened? With a view to say, this is only round the corner potentially, and mm-hmm. beware, this could happen again.
4: Well, yes, and look, naively, he um, believed that if he did tell his story, and he would only tell it after Geeta died, because she would not let him talk about it publicly, that he said, don't let it happen again. You tell my story so it doesn't happen again. Uh, Sadly, we know that since then, there have been other atrocities and genocides. But for him, hopefully his story could make a difference. We can but hope, can't we?
1: Absolutely, the new book because there's another one ready to hit the bookshelves all over the world, including Ireland. It's called Silka's Journey. Tell me about this book. Is it building on what you've done with the Tattooist of Auschwitz? And is it a true story?
4: The day Lali Sokolov said to me, "Did I tell you about Silka?" And when I said no, he looked at me and he went, "She was the bravest person I ever knew, and she saved my life. And when you finish telling my story, you tell Silka's." And then he told me about Silka, this 16-year-old girl from a very small town in Slovakia, beautiful little thing, innocent, 1942, taken into Birkenau and her survival there and what she did to survive. And how, in 1945, when the Russians liberated Auschwitz, she was there and she had the finger pointed at her and she was accused of sleeping or, no, prostituting herself to the enemy and sentenced, to, well, she sentenced to 15 years in the Siberian gulag. I knew that she had survived that uh, sentence in the gulag because Lali's wife, Gita, visited her in Slovakia several times, and he was able to tell me about her. And then I met other survivors in Melbourne who knew her in Birkenau, and I heard from them. Then I started visiting Slovakia, where Silke had lived for 50 years, and spoke to her friends and her neighbors and learnt about this amazing young girl who became an amazing young woman and lived to the age of 78. Um, look, they're described as the most compassionate, loving woman that all her neighbours ever knew. She stood out in the apartment block where they'd lived for 50 years because of her compassion, primarily not only to adults but to children, because she had none of her own. So she had to mother all the other children in the apartment building.
1: Incredible story. Do you know what? I think I'll just get up from my seat in the studio here and head for the bookshop and pick it up Aww. straight away because I just have to get this book now and read it. It's called Silka's Journey and it's the new one from Heather Morris. A couple of things before we finish. Mm-hmm. In 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 writing the Tattooist and now Silka's uh, Journey, is it a difficult ask to write such horror at times?
4: It was very different between the two storylines, primarily because when I was writing Luddy's story and I would sit and listen to him and then I'd go and I'd do my research. And I kept thinking that the research would uncover the fact that he was embellishing what the Holocaust was like. And here I was learning that no, quite the opposite. He was actually underplaying it. And I would be distressed and I could then go to him and he would give me a hug and he would comfort me. And tell me, look, I'm here. I-, I survived. I'm the winner in this. But I didn't have that with Silka. And so, reading about the atrocities and the terrible, horrible, evil things in the gulag, I had nobody to comfort me. And so, my poor husband had to cop me raging against him. But, you know, you get to that point mm. where you say, no, I still have to tell the story. So, you have to find a way. And I did find a way to tell the story, do it justice.
1: I take it you're not working in that job in Melbourne Hospital anymore.
4: (laughs) No, I had to leave. Um, I only left two months before the book came out. I was still working full time, right up until then. But, um, yeah, my my lovely job at Monash Medical Centre in the Social Work Department had to end.
1: Uh, Not surprised at all. Look, I just want to say to you that this book deeply touched me more than any book I've probably read in my my lifetime. No, no, I mean that, Heather, sincerely. And I'm heading to visit Auschwitz-Birkenau very soon and I believe your book has paved the way for this visit for me and it will be in my heart and in my mind as I go there. I'll give you a little analogy before I finish. Many moons ago at school I studied Mm -hmm. Latin but it took years until I became a man and a grown man until I went to ancient Rome and I went to ancient Rome with a guide and it all came flooding back to me. Ah. I expect the same in Poland short. I
4: hope my description of Auschwitz and Birkenau, which by the way came purely from Lully, I never visited there until last year after the book was out. Because I needed to describe that environment the way he told me and the way he remembered it. Lully did a good job.
1: Yes, he certainly did. And I have no doubt that you have painted the picture as it was so accurately. I congratulate you again on the most wonderful book. I wish you the very best with Silka's Journey. We eagerly await it, and uh, I'm sure it'll become as big as The Tattooist of Auschwitz. And if it's even partly as great, it'll be a massive success for you. Heather Morris, thank you for joining me on my show this afternoon.
4: Absolute pleasure
1: yes we will be podcasting that full interview with the late Vincent Hoy after the show today it will be available and we'll push that round social media you'll be able to hear the entire conversation which is a real slice of life with the great man and Tracy's been on from the Gary Kelly Centre nice to hear from you Anne really enjoyed the tribute to Vincent and saying how much the centre will miss him Desi Howard uh, scary's Bowling Club and I think of Football as well knew Vincent well through the bowling he loved the bowling as well that's an another string to his bow paying tribute to him this afternoon and so on and so on they go just like to mention a coffee morning being hosted by Kathleen Cassidy at her home old Johnstown village Navin just past Johnstown Church heading for Kenstown tomorrow from 10 till 1 and all proceeds are going to the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre in Drogheda and another one on tonight Drogheda Alzheimer's great people have their annual concert in the Holy Family Church at half past 7 headlined by the brilliant Amy Dyer uh, they also have the youth choir from the Holy Family there and the Lord's Brass Band and the Savage Family it's going to be a big big night there for them you'd be doing well honestly to go along there tonight and support them they're fantastic people wish them well half seven tonight Holy Family Church Louise I hear you were in, <laughs> I hear you are in the dark last night for a while true or false oh Jerry
7: was desperate I was absolutely desperate I was in a real Halloween nightmare scenario I was sitting on my own in a hu- in a house no power, electricity cut, pitch black, phone died. I had nothing. I had no telly, I had no Wi Fi. I thought, oh great, I have a gas hob so I can cook something. Great. In By candlelight. Yeah. But uh, no, because it needs a switch on the wall to but turn Louise, on. But Louise, so. just
1: think about it. All that nuisance from, you know, everything that bombards you, especially every day through your phone and social media, la la la. Oh, that was gone, was it? Oh, had you got connectivity on the phone?
7: Nothing. No, my phone died. Oh God almighty it was desperate. I didn't hear you saying that. the phone was gone as well. Yeah, at one percent and somebody rang and it just cut. But
1: wasn't that great that you could no. actually sit there and just breathe deeply. No. Be in the moment. No. Forget about everything else.
7: <laughs> no. <laughs> It was absolutely terrible. I swear to God, if, if, if somebody knocked on the door and it was a murderer, I would say, come in, but before you murder me, please have a chat with me. I was never, I don't get this whole mindfulness. Somebody else said, that's what you're meant to do. You're meant to be mindful in the moment. Yes. I hated it.
1: We're going to have to get you a crash course on it and the next time we have a contrib- contributor in, we're going to line you up and see how you go. Anyway, you got the power back, did you?
7: Yeah, I'm going to have to have a, you know, a plan for the next time it ever goes. But it
1: is true. We take it for granted. And Massively. when the power goes, we are lost. We really are lost. We don't know what to do with ourselves. Yes. We're uh, people that needs everything, you know, tr- and the electricity, of course, uh, drives so much in our homes. It's You only can't honest, even can, read. It. Know, well, Nothing. You, no, you need a backup. You need, tor- have you torches in that house, you to get her, some candles that you can light, just the torches
7: case. went with the kids to do trick or treat. Oh my god,
1: she was in had candles, god help her! She couldn't
7: find the matches in the she, dark. <laughs> she's with us today, she was in here
1: buzzing this morning early. Maybe it gave you a little boost that you don't realize. You know, you got a, a shot of energy mm. when you could have that little bit of downtime, but anyway, that's for another day. Look, the book, The Tattooist of Auschwitz. I have it here, I have, have my copy. Do you think anyone would like my copy of the book? Now, I've read it and it's been leafed through and I loaned it as well. But it's in good condition, very good condition. Would you like a copy of The Tattooist of Auschwitz? You heard us talking to Heather Morris there a few moments ago. Over three million sold worldwide. A book in my lifetime that's made a huge impact on me. And I read a lot and this one certainly has. She's the new one out Silka's Journey. If you want my tattooist, I'll give it to you. All you have to do is answer this little question. In which country is Auschwitz? In which European country is Auschwitz? That's the question for the used copy of the book. It's mine. It's yours if you want it. Send us a message with your name and details. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you'd like a copy of my book, The Tattooist of Auschwitz.
7: And Jerry, can I just say, or uh, Sergeant Ian Cairns will kill us, um well done to everybody this morning in Simonstown GAA Club um where they launched the message in a bottle. Have you ever heard of that, Jerry?
1: I heard the police singing about it many years <laughs> ago it was number one hit.
7: I always get those words wrong as well. But the Age Friendly Alliance there along um with FlexiBus um launched this. It's a simple idea and people it's just a little kind of a bottle and people keep their personal and medical details in it, stick it in the fridge and have a little sticker on the fridge and then in case of an emergency the paramedics or whoever go straight there and know exactly what medication you're on. Saves a load of time I do like
1: it It's a new meaning to message in a bottle Well done to them Congratulations I really like it
7: Yeah it's a great idea It's a
1: great idea It's a brilliant brilliant idea Let me tell you still to come on Late Lunch Today we'll be talking to Dundalk fans Yes the cup final is Sunday It's Shamrock Rovers at the Aviva Stadium Huge occasion We'll be there And we're going to be joined by some Dundalk fans On the show after three Leon Blanche is looking ahead to the weekend sport Don't we love our crisps though Louise? We love them Oh we love them and we just Cheese and onion? We can't wait. We can't Telling wait because liquor. we're gonna be talking about crisps in a little while on the show. Yes, Clinton's crisps, they claim to be the best crisps in the world. And we do make great ones in this country for sure. We Irish think we're great, don't we? Well, we are, aren't we? At many things and in many fields. But I say without fear or favour, we make the best crisps in the world. And now, a family based in Skerrys who've been farming and growing potatoes since the 1700s, are aiming to be the best of the best with Clinton's crisps. I'm joined on the show by Sean Clinton and Damien O'Connor, and they're here to help us... Munch through this story. I'm sorry, boys, I just had to say that, you know. <laughs> hey, that's some claim on the front of these bags. The world's best crisp Sean Clinton... You believe this 100%? We, we believe it 100%. Um,
8: we are our knowledge that we've had and the data growing and obviously manufacturing. And as himself, I'm in the business new 28 years now. I've seen a lot of things come and go, many flavours. Um, I can remember one time actually making crisps for dogs, if that's any way to do. Um They were barking mad, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't but, share with them. Sorry, <laughs> I love my dog, but he wouldn't get a crisp from me. Go on. <laughs> but, but we believe they are. Now, obviously... Um, we, we we designed the packaging to make a um an initial splash of uh, anything else um and um we will be relooking at it obviously in relation to it but we believe they are the best crisps we spent a lot of time, a lot of preparation with them and we've tasted a lot of crisps from every country in the world. I do believe what you said that Irish crisps are definitely the best crisps in the world because the one thing we have is the best potatoes. And if you have the best potatoes, you can do a lot with it.
1: Now you go back a long way, as I mentioned, yeah. there with the farm centuries actually, to the history of farming on the farm and the growing of potatoes as well. But you're not the spud grower.
8: I'm unfortunately not the spud grower. I haven't got the I haven't I haven't got the vocation for that. You know. Years ago I used to be either be a, a priest or a farmer, or then you go off civil service. So I took the third route. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, my brother's the farmer, um, and he's a lifelong farmer. He's brilliant at what he does. He knows the land, and obviously, with my father, who still who still does the land as much again, he's 80, 85 and 84 now as well, and Terrific. he still does a lot on the land. Yeah. So he's a huge amount of experience growing potatoes. Uh, we have a, a mixed farm, so it's um, obviously cereal and potatoes, and a few cattle, like every farmer has, to keep the grass down. Um, and um, he's been good. Own for uh, 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 and selling locally, um, yes. and his own kind of um, so the spuds work.
1: are in the DNA. But yeah. you went working ultimately with other crisp manufacturers. I did indeed. I, I originally started with Perry crisps,
8: yes. Um, oh, I love
1: them, I love the Perry, Perry crisps, yeah. Pub oh, crisps, Perry pub. yeah. And the
8: pub, do you remember the pub and the brown and orange type of bags, yes, yeah. And then even then Sam Spuds as well, um, if you remember Sam Spuds, yes. Crisps,
1: Donegal connection there, is, wasn't there? That, that,
8: yeah, that, that is correct. Yeah, mm. um, had, had a great flavor, and the smoky bacon used to be a lovely flavor. Oh. <laughs> there was that silverman's, silverman's was the very design, was very like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yes. Um, so I have, I have a huge amount of experience in it, everything from crisps, um, extruder snacks, um, pellet, um you know a, yes. every kind of yeah, it is here. your
1: field. Is so, field so obviously you saw a, an opportunity a space here now I must mention them because they are your neighbours Kyo's crisps yes, yes my god look where those boys have gone and they came here very first, first. time yeah. with the interview saying what they were going to do um, yeah and, and they're, they're a brilliant brand they've done a great
8: job and they, as I said um, a, a local farming um, yeah. um, family as well they've done a brilliant job um, as I said the Irish market at the moment is a big market mm. we love our crisps mm. um, there is a lot of imports as well though. There is 22% of the market is imported and when you put that into potatoes it's 27,000 tonne of potatoes a year. It's a lot. So we have a huge consumption for it but where in fairness to Kios and what we've seen ourselves along with Kios is that the market for um, luxury crisps is huge. It's getting bigger and bigger. It's double growth Mm. because people want to Look, it's a treat. At the end of the day, at the weekend, the kids that are watching a movie, You give them a treat. They'll have their Coke, they'll have their 7-Up or sweets, and, and they'll also have some crisps. And it's nice to have that. But when you're going to have them, have the best crisps.
1: Oh, the best crisps. So you've spent, you and your brother and everybody involved, it's about three and a half years since this idea it's, took root, is it? Since the idea in my mind
8: okay. in, in relation to that. But yes. really you're talking like 2017, when I went to Martin and said... Are you willing to take the leap? Mm. Uh, you know, and, Was that and a tough ask? That's a huge ask. half a farmer now to, <laughs> to give up <laughs> something like that. I would be more in, into it. But in, in, in fairness, and we've both seen it, this is for our family. It's a family brand. It's a family. It's not that we're going to sell up and have to make whatever. This is to bring our kids on to make sure that they're able to have a future as well and, and get into the business as well. So it is a real family element to it. Um, so
2: where does Damien O'Connor come in? Welcome to the show, Damien. Hi, Jerry. How's it going? Thanks for having so us. About you, Tell us about you and what you do. Okay, I suppose uh, I've worked with Sean for a long time previous to this uh, in crisps and snacks for about 15, 20 years. So we have a bit of experience, as Sean mentioned. Um, and I, I arrived last year. Um, Sean was somebody to develop flavours and processes. I, I do technical operations. Um, so I arrived in April last year and... I'm still along for the journey. You know? <laughs> so, so what else you you to do...
1: Out. Come on, yeah. you're only beginning, Sean. You're taking the baby steps. But you mentioned flavours and developing these brands here because you've brought three today, mature cheddar and red onion flavour, seared steak flavour
2: and classic sea salt and vinegar flavour. Uh, is this the three at the moment that you have? It's, this is the three at the moment. You, you have to have a cheese and onion and salt and vinegar so mm. we wanted to make them the best that we could make them and um, for a third flavour we wanted something different and keeping the farming element and all that entails in mind we developed steak steak and chips typical Sunday dinner for a farmer or Sunday <laughs> out any anyway, at the very least and we just tried to make them the best we could make them uh, we, we, we went back to old cooking methods traditional methods so like we don't what they call sweater assets. We don't maximise our output from the factory. We cook them slow. We cook them in rapeseed oil. They're called crisps for a reason. They're really crispy. So that's what we do. We go back to what we knew and what the old way of doing things. And how do you cook them? Okay, let's step back. First of all, the varieties of potato.
1: Obviously, the, lots of people eat roosters and queens, early potatoes and records and pinks, the old ones, etc. Different varieties for, for crisps, Yeah. Um, the, the varieties we use are, are, are especially for processing. They have low sugars,
8: um, storability as well, because obviously you put them in the store and you have to use them throughout the year as well. So there's are specific varieties um, for crispin. Okay. Um, so the varieties would be Lady Rosetta, Key Bits, and we're using a variety called Amarilla at the moment. And they grow well in Ireland? They go very well in Ireland, yeah. Right, especially so, on the East Coast. Yeah,
1: okay. Ireland. So And that lovely uh, sandy soil Sierra, up along Sierra. the coast in North County, Dublin. What else is, would it do up there but produce wonderful spuds? And vegetables. So you, you put them in, you grow them, you harvest them. Take me through what happens from there when you harvest. Um, we, we, Sean, who's who's going to take this one? I'll let Damien take everything. Uh, Damien. Will it? you take it? yeah
2: So in terms in terms of process and what we do after the potatoes are harvested. So um, we take them in. So obviously we we have two types of data. We have direct off the land, which come in probably from June July mm. to October, and we have store potatoes, which are stored the rest of the year. Once we get them, we basically peel them, and uh, we slice them. And we cook them, as I said, using a very traditional method—the way things used to be made. So we do a very specific type of crisp. Okay. And we don't do that—that that big, um, mass-produced type of product okay and it, it, do you peel the spud there's we, no skins on these it's, it's called polishing it's actually a little <laughs> bit different to <laughs> yeah, it's, it. it's like it's like yeah. Uh, it, we don't peel them like the way you peel but we take we do take a certain amount of the outside off but the um, skin on them still it's a little bit okay I've never heard what, of polishing spuds before yeah, Well, it's a, it's a new one and uh, <laughs> but you get all your nutrients from the skin of that's course, course. I and mean, we know that
1: it, it sits there yeah. so then they're obviously sliced very fine you cook them the rapeseed oil is a an Irish rapeseed oil uh,
2: not necessarily because even though the rape is grown in Irish yeah, uh, it goes to Holland to be refined, so you okay. can't actually say that it's Irish. All right, that's all. Uh, and some of it is, but yeah, you can't actually yeah. say that. So you cook them. Do you? How do you cook them? You you know you hear of kettle crisps for that. Are these kettle crisps? These are kettle crisps. Oh, yeah. right. okay, they are indeed. Um, they, the reason we can't put kettle on the packet is that it's a, 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 tra- a register trademark. From kettle themselves. Ah, I see. So we I call see. them hand-cooked and it's the industry standard for that. For that type yeah. of process. So in, in terms of cooking, we have a very unusual cooking method. We don't cook it for a certain length of time or anything like that. We, we cook to the type of potato. So if it's a certain solids level or a certain variety, we have a particular program. and We do it by temperature profile. So we drop it to a certain temperature, bring it back to another temperature and release it out. So it's very different to the way you would cook at home. Mm. Um, and, and that way we manage to the, do the, the variability in raw materials. Uh, the different types of potatoes, different types of solids, as I said. So we try and keep them very consistent.
1: And then the flavours are added after
2: the cooking. Correct. Yeah, after the cooking. Well, you couldn't cook the flavours because we don't flavour left what in. What a dummy question! Yeah, no, Where no, does that no. come from on this Friday afternoon? What am I thinking of? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. We we they're just on flavours. So we have a very a big flavour drum, and we basically tumble the flavour onto the crisps. Nice and gently Mm. and lovingly, you know. But, like, uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, Hold on a minute. I'm going to give a bag of shake here. Which one, I'll I'll have to go for the uh, mature cheddar and red onion flavour. But the only thing is, you'll have to wait for the taste. We're going to a short break. Go nowhere. Late lunch. Crisps Friday. Where else would you be? Says on the packet, the world's best crisp. Yes, we're talking about Clinton's crisps on late lunch this afternoon. Grown in scaries with tender, loving care and processed in Ashburn. Sean Clinton and Damien O'Connor are with me. Oh, God, there must be something happening in Studio One because Louise Walsh has appeared. can like keep to t-
7: me away from crisps. Larry. Would you
1: like to taste a crisp, would you? Oh.
7: Do you have to ask? Wh- which
1: flavour <laughs> do you want? We have cheese and onion, we have classic uh, sea salt and vinegar flavour or seared steak.
7: Cheese and onion.
1: Okay, here. Please. Have a tasty there. Take them over there beside you and have I've a never go. Never
7: had. I've had, I love my cheese and onion. Do Crisp, you? crisp sandwiches. But I've never had any other flavour sandwiches with crisps.
1: Okay, well we're going to try these other two here now. Go on, taste that one. What are you saying there, Sean? Come back to me. The, the, the salt and vinegar is is meant to be
8: obviously from Scaries, and I, we spent many a summer um, getting buying a bag of chips and sitting down by the beach. <laughs> and it's those little crunchy bits in the bottom with mm. loads of the vinegar and loads of salt. That's
1: what they're meant to represent. Mm. Mm. What do you make of them, I Louise? Love, love
7: these. They're so crunchy.
1: Ah, mm. that's really, what they really hey, look at. That man there, Sean Clinton, he's like the cat that got the cream of the crisp that got the the, the, the praise. That, the the boys that, that that that's what differentiates them, isn't it? I would it, say for yes. Yeah, it is.
7: You're nearly, you're nearly afraid that you're hurting the listener's ears at home. By hold by on, by I will. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Ouch.
1: <laughs> mm, I will. That's the seared steak flavor I'm having there. Just give me a moment. to hmm.
7: I know you can really taste it.
1: Will you do a salt and vinegar and one up? there, Louise? Yeah. For me. do you know something about that? I mean this. See the, the steak oozing out of that bag it's, it's how, di- how did you
2: how did you work your magic on that flavour well it's it, to be honest actually the flavour is suitable for, for vegetarians and vegans there's no meat in it um, and it's a grill flavour like it tastes like steak because when you caramelise anything it tastes it's like a caramelised flavour like flavor. that Sean and the steak jumps out of it oh it um, does very much so um, and we we've a few tricks and mm. that, but very much grilled flavours are, are very similar, be it like grilled veg, grilled steak and all that. Yes. Because it's the caramelise. And these that are getting.
1: these are vegetarian the crisps as well. even though it says steak on, on the front and the back. That's right. They'd be going up to them with their fingers <laughs> crossed. They, no, they you, you can have them, that's yeah. the word. Louise, so, salt we'll and vinegar, what do you think? You
7: can actually see the salt on, on the crisp. They're, yeah. They're amazing.
1: Do you like They're the salt so and vinegar?
7: Salt. It's mm. like you know.
1: Put give me the salt on your hands and give me, put. Them give, me, in. give me one of them. Hold on. This is the salt <laughs> and vinegar. <laughs> I should. I should be washing it down, it down with something, struggling. but I can still get it. Here we go. Hmm. Oh my! Oh my!
8: Salt and vinegar. It is really. Mm. Yeah. The, the most important thing with crisps is flavour. Mm. People have to, and then behind that. You start doing things with making them as healthy as possible. So using the rapeseed oil, there' less oil content, um, reducing the salt, um, and and making them appeal to everybody because everybody now has like they're all gluten free, by the way. Yeah. So it, it it's make sure everybody can taste them. I'm
1: just looking it. at the front of the bag here. Uh, when it comes to what people are are looking at, there the saturates are very low in them, and the sugars tiny in it, and the salt fractions. Yes. You mm-hmm. have it, and yet that flavour that's the most important thing, is the flavour you're a magician no you're a magician Thanks let me tell too. you Sean Clinton <laughs> yeah
7: there's no aftertaste no it's gorgeous
1: it, tell us about that again what you were explaining about that uh, when we were talking there uh, during the break it doesn't leave what in your mouth like other crisps what were you saying um, to me there um, Sean the,
8: a, a lot of crisps a lot of mass juice crisps can uh, end up um, end up like a ball in your mouth uh, at yeah. the back end. what we're trying to do is a very crunchy crisp this is what I remember eating crisps a long time ago and a long time ago now And we used to be able to bring a packet of crisps and in your lunchbox and to school, which you can't do anymore, obviously now. I
1: don't believe you. Can you not? No, no. no it's, it's 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 no. And. and, and what? Yeah. Hold on a minute, Louise, tell me that. No crisps in school? No,
7: no, you're not really allowed bringing crisps Every day, or or a
1: anything. packet of Tato cheese and onion, mm. <laughs> Oh, Lord, I wouldn't be even let into the school now when you think about it. What are we coming to in this country? PC. So anyway, go on. Sorry, I stopped so the show. Uh, it ends up, so what we're, we're trying to do
8: is, is make a crisp with that extra crunch that you get. It's uh, a clean crunch right through to the end of it. So you don't feel like it, um, a big lump in your mouth mm. going in. So it's to be a clean, crisp and
1: as, as Damien said, it is crisp. It's a crisp. It's yes. crisp. Damien, yeah. it's you. Sorry, I mentioned mm. him. You're the magician with the flavours and, and producing much. all this. Sorry, Again, Damien. But w- w- did you have to travel far and wider? How do you come up with these
2: unique flavours to these crisps? Okay, there's there's a couple of things. One is that we had developed crisps for different countries across Europe. So we have a European-wide experience in terms of developing, making flavours, different types. And and like we've done it for so many years, we, we picked the best of our experience, I suppose, is the best way to put it. We had an idea of the way we wanted to make crisps. And I suppose, luckily, we were able to execute that, mm. make them the way we wanted them, the, the mm. best flavours, the best crisp, and, and actually, as Sean said, as clean as possible. Yeah. No, you know, low sugar. I mean, there's no cholesterol. Um, as you said, rapeseed oil is high in antioxidants. So we've done as I'm much delighted. as we could. I'm
1: delighted. You cholesterol. Can I can take <laughs> yeah. keep taking the Lipitor, the anti statin, and I now I have now I have me crisp Crispy. back.
2: Yeah, oh. well, the so rapeseed oil doesn't doesn't contain cholesterol. Yeah, but so. but
8: what is important then as well with the flavor you you have developed them for an Irish market as well. That's correct. Because that's mm. our market. So mm. uh, if you go to Europe, um, bloody Europe, the main flavours are salt or paprika, and, and that's right. And they're not going to work in, in Ireland, no. you know. So you have to look at your market and make sure that that you that you uh, be specific to what your market is.
7: Steak ones are all dismissed. Tomato ketchup, <laughs> big dollar. Tomato ketchup, it's so you actually think, and the knife
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is a Isn't great description really? of yeah, them. Definitely. It really is. That does sum it up to a T. It really so thumbs up from Louise. Yep. It's oh, like virtual you, dinner, <laughs> you, <laughs> so you won't have to be running out last minute to the shop. Is that okay? Yeah, okay, we're sorted. We're sorted there. Thanks, <laughs> Louise. You thank, um, you. thank you. Thank you. Tell people about, you know, now the route to market. Where are Clinton's crisps? Where can they be got?
8: As I said, um, we're in um, um, about 30 Super Value stores around the Dublin area, mainly through the Food Academy. Um, we will be going back into BWG stores, which are Spar Euro, Spar Nationwide, and um, 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 a lot of um, um, smaller shops, and like a yes. at Dunywick Fair, those kind of... Uh, they have examples. them as well. They
1: have them as well. You mentioned they're an Irish crisp for an Irish market. But surely you look beyond the issue. Well, look at Britain, for example. Well, you have to walk before you can run. Okay, so it's it's
8: develop Develop here here? with what we have, perfected, because we're learning bits every day ourselves. Even though we've 30 years of experience, you learn every day in, in relation to it. And you have to learn the other elements which we didn't know anything about, which is like distribution, sales, and that. We have to learn that as we go along. And I've we've done um, a lot of work with uh, board B and that through the FoodWorks program, etc. And and they're helping us to 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 go towards that, which is very important as well. Of course. But there's no point in um, there's only two of us in the factory, so right. you know, like <laughs>
2: you are mighty men. Oh look! We were, we, we cooked those crisps for <laughs> even by the way. And
8: before we came here, we were actually cleaning the the, the factory That's then great. as well. So. You know, we have to do everything, but we slowly build it up and yes. um, perfect as much as possible, get into as many stores as possible, get people to try the product. All mm. oh, we're asking people to try it and taste it like you Absolutely. have there.
1: Absolutely. And you're future-proofed as well in Ashbourne. You're, you're ready to, to grow. We're ready to grow
8: in relation to it. So mm. we, can, we can take on a, a, a reasonably good volume. Um, so we've no
1: issues in relation to that. Um, it does what it says on the bag. Can I finish by saying that? The world's best crisps. Thank you. They're fantastic. You've done a great job. Thank you. And I wish you both well uh, going forward. But from our little nibbles here this (laughs) afternoon, I believe, and our Louise believes you're on a winner, I have to say. I'm driving people mad. They're giving out here. Here and eating the crisps. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little more for you this afternoon to drive you even madder. Anyway, Clinton's is the name on the bag. They're hand-cooked here in Ireland and it's a new business and it's going places and I want to say a big thank you this afternoon to Damien O'Connor and Sean Clinton for joining me on the show. Thanks, lads. Brilliant stuff. We've had a number of inquiries. Vincent Hoy will repose at Watson's Funeral Home in Drogheda tomorrow, Saturday from 5 to 7 and from 5 to 7 on Sunday and his funeral mass is in St Peter's in the heart of Drogheda at 11.30am on Monday. Poland is the answer I was looking for. Yes, I'm giving away my copy of The Tattooist of Auschwitz and it's going to Rita Geraghty this afternoon. Rita, enjoy with your friends in Dawn Women's Group who you tell me uh, were out there uh, and saw us. With. You'll enjoy the book, I promise you. It's there for you. We'll be in touch. And thanks to everybody who sent us in the correct answer of Poland. Now, sport, the weekend ahead. We look at it each weekend with one man. Yes, it's Leon Blanche, communications manager with Boyle Sports, and he's on the line. Good afternoon, Leon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Droghody United, lead 1-0. They head to Bally Buffet this evening. There's a huge prize, a place in the Premier Division next year. Who's the smart money on, Leon?
9: Yeah, look, it's a massive, massive game as you rightly said, Jerry. Um, Finn Harps are favourite just to win the game. Um, obviously in ninety minutes at eleven to ten, but draw. It's a pity that away goals don't count in these playoffs because they really should. Because one 0 at home was a perfect result for Drogheda United, but they're twelve to five to win away from home, and the draw here is twenty three to ten. Look. There wasn't an awful lot between them. Um, in the first leg, it was only by the odd goal. But I think if Johanna can keep it nice and tight again, um, and hopefully limit Finharp, Finharp to a couple of chances, I'm hoping that Johanna can get back up to the Premier League. I think that's what everybody wants: is to see Johanna United. not Finharp fans, of course, but Johanna United fans and anyone from Loud would like to see the drugs back up in that Premier Division, and I think they can get it done, Jerry.
1: And reminding everybody, the game is live online with Adrian Taff and Mick Cook here this evening, lmfm.ie. If you go in there, you can pick it up or on the LMFM app. Now talk about big weekends in soccer. It gets no bigger on Sunday than the Aviva Stadium and the Blue Ribbon of Irish Soccer, the FAI Cup final. Dundalk going there again to keep that trophy against Shamrock Rovers.
9: Yeah, looking bidding for a historic treble. What a fantastic first season it would be. For Vinnie Perth and his management team. If Dundalk could manage to beat Shamrock Rovers, huge blow. However, losing their captain, their talisman, and Chris Shields to suspension due to that eight yellow card that he received, that's a big blow. And because of that, Dundalk are actually underdogs at nine to five to win the FAI Cup final. Shamrock Rovers are six to four, and the draw is twenty-one to ten. I still think Dundalk are a massive price. There's no doubt. Rovers are getting closer, but are they close enough? I think uh, Dundalk have had their measure on a couple of occasions this season. And I'd be surprised if Dundalk are not able. I think this will be tight, Jerry. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it goes to extra time and all the way to penalties. But I just think Dundalk, I think a bit of history is going to be in the making. Shamrock Rovers have a lot to play for, however. This will be their first trophy in a long, long time as well. And they've spent big, so they need to start delivering some silverware Stephen Bradley and his men but hopefully the Lily White Stundock can make it three out of three in Vinnie Pearce first season
1: and again reminding everybody Sunday Sport be with us on Sunday if you're not going to the game we have that match in its entirety the build up the reaction afterwards live here on LMFM radio now finally today Leon it is the final of the World Cup in rugby in Japan England taking on South Africa England favourites
9: they certainly are, Jerry. You're spot on. Um, I think they've been the most impressive side in this year's Rugby World Cup. It's fair to say they've just been awesome. And in terms of the performance they put in against the All Blacks, they just never let the All Blacks play. They never let them settle down. They just got right into them. They're a very physical side. And I think they'll need to be physically strong against South Africa. South Africa are a big, imposing team. But England, they are favourites at 4-9. to nine. South Africa are 9-4. to four. And what that does in terms of the handicap betting, if you want to take England minus six, which means they've got to win by seven or more, that's even money. Or if you want to take South Africa plus six, that's also even money. I think this is going to be very tight, Jerry, but I just do have a feeling Eddie Jones is going to be lifting the World Cup once again. I think it's England to lose, but you never know in a final. And South Africa, if they can get a good start, you just never know. But England, they've been awesome so far, and I really do think it's there to lose.
1: Leon, thank you so much. Talk to you again a week today. All the best, Jerry. Take care of yourself. That's Leon Blanche there from Boyle Sports looking at the big sporting events ahead this weekend. Final break of the day and the week on late lunch and afterwards we're going to get the mood. Get into the mood. We're up for it here on LMFM, the FAI Cup Final. We're going to be joined by some Dundalk fans. They have the League Cup, they've won the League They're going for the FAI Cup on Sunday Yes, Dundalk Football Club aimed to make history and win the treble Last team to do it were Derry City under Jim McLaughlin many moons ago And of course Jim, a link with Dundalk as well Can the Lilywhites make it there? Will they lift the third trophy? Let's have a chat with some of the fans Joining me on the line on late launch today are Brendan Scullin and Sean Amarkey You're both very welcome to the show Hello to both of you Hello. Hello. Oh, they're there. They're oh, there. You yeah, they're there. You're welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Shauna, if I could start with yourself, please. Tell me a little bit about you. How long are you following the Lily Whites?
0: Oh, well, my granddad's a big fan. He's been bringing me the past five
1: years to the Viva. Right. So, you've been following the. La- so, Shauna, hey, you know nothing but Dundalk winning all round them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been success all the way for you. Who is your favourite Dundalk player of the current crop?
10: Oh, I'd have to say Chris Shields, but it'd be disappointed my son that
1: he's not playing. Oh, Shauna, he's not. He picked up that suspension you heard about it during the week. It's a bit of a blow for them. You love him, do you? He's your favourite of them all.
0: Yeah, disappointing.
1: What about Huben and Gartland? There's two more names I'm throwing at you. Do you not love them? The striker and the man who stops all the goals. I love Gartland,
0: yeah. Love to watch
1: him. Oh, he's a great player, Brian Gartland, isn't he? But look, what about Chris Shields being out? Do you think that takes a little bit away from you Are you confident someone else will go in there and they'll be better than ever? Oh,
0: you'd hope so, anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're hoping that the, the replacement will do the business. What do you feel, Sean, about Sunday and Shamrock Rovers? There's been tight games between them this year in the league. How are you feeling?
11: Hopeful.
0: It'll
1: be a good match watch, watch anyway. Right, so you're not overconfident, are you not?
0: No.
1: Oh, right, so that's important to say. But uh, they're expecting as well. You might have heard a moment ago, Liam Blanche was on to me. In fact, Rovers are slight favourites to win it. Does that suit Dundalk, do you think?
0: Hopefully
1: going in the
10: underdogs so. will yeah.
1: give them a bit of boost to come out with him. Yeah. So uh, you're, you're all set for Sunday with your colours and everything? You have your shirt and your scarf and everything, Shauna, yeah? Oh, Shauna. Have we lost Shauna there? She doesn't seem to be on the line. She seems to have gone. We must have just lost her. Sorry about that. Gremlin's on the line there. Shauna Markey's on her way. Let's talk to Brendan Scullin. Brendan, are you there? There here, oh, yeah, good yeah, man, yeah. He's, he's waiting patiently for me. Brendan, you're a long-time fan of Dundalk. Since uh,
11: 1964.
1: Oh, my word. You have been there through thick and thin, as six, they say.
11: Um, I think I was six years of age. His father used to take me up, probably over the style at six
1: Wonderful. When you think back, look, at this is a golden era for the dog, of course. But before this time, would you say the Jim McLaughlin era, the Torlach O'Connor era or what? Well,
11: they're all great seasons once you're winning trophies like yeah. Jim McLaughlin and Torlach O'Connor. We're getting used to it now, but hope we can keep it going on y- Sunday.
1: Yeah, they were great eras, weren't they? Two wonderful Brilliant. men in, in charge of the team as well. But what about this year? You know, Stephen Kenny went. Were you concerned when he left?
11: Um, no, well Finney Pearrett has been there on the background a a long time, seven years, he's there a long time and he's in League of Ireland football. He was at Longford and Malahite he's a great experience and under Stephen Kenny, he learned a lot and Finney's doing a great job and he's a great panel of players and hopefully we can do it on Sunday.
1: What do you think has been the inspiration to Dundalk this year just to carry on from where Stephen left off and like to be on the brink now of winning all three, which they haven't done before? Is there a player that's come in or one of the others that've been there that have stepped up in your book watching them?
11: It's all the full time training and they're very dedicated they're de- de- dedicated players like all year the dedicated training and to put a serious amount to walk into it and really love to win trophies and this is the team to win them at the minute. I hope we can do it on Sunday.
1: What do you feel about Sunday? I mentioned it to Shauna there a moment ago. She yeah. says she'd just be cautiously optimistic. How do you feel? It's going to be one of
11: the tightest cup finals we've seen in years. Like Cork, all them Cork games are very tight. But we're always having won a game, having won a cup in, I think, what is it, 32 years. Mm. Uh, and Finn wasn't even born the time. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think Dundalk will do it on today. Hopefully, yeah.
1: Yeah, they seem to be still ahead of... I know Rovers are improving, you can feel that and you've seen it yourselves in the game this year. Jack byrne would be a fellow you'd have to watch, wouldn't he, on Sunday? Jack, he's a
11: good player, got an international cap and few international caps. Um, Rovers are good players, they they'd try to win a trophy, they haven't won in a long, long time. You know, but Dundalk is out there to make history now and just weather. so I hope we can do
1: what game more than most, Brendan? Scotland sticks in your mind. Six years of age, over the turnstiles to today. If I was to say to you the most memorable day or night you've watched on dark play, well,
11: there's that many. Um, <laughs> but I say the um, the, the let say the league, the game, the, the European game when they won the one there mm. last year.
1: Yes, yes. You know big big occasion
11: big big occasion
1: yeah. yeah those european nights are absolutely all the
11: european games were brilliant game really.
1: oh listen you can't beat it you it's good to
11: see all the young people supporting the league they're going up, you know, we've yeah. loads of young people, we've Ambald and St Dominic's Upper Club and we've 40 kids going up on Sunday and a load of other minor league clubs in the dark and with them dark colours on Sunday. It's good to see them all going up and supporting them, you
1: know? Yeah, and they're the future, they're the people you're looking to in the future to come along and get behind them in, in the years ahead. Tony Hoy's on the line, I believe, as well. Stay there, Brendan, a minute. Hello? Hello, Jerry. Anthony, Anthony, how is the form? Not too bad. Always good to talk to you. Always good to talk to you too. Anyway, you're switching codes for Sunday.
10: Ah, yes. Um, Lucky enough to come out of the half. Yeah. For the LNFM matches uh, VIP trip.
1: And you, like, you know, you're a renowned GAA player, GAA man in loud, the county team there in Knockbridge, but you followed Dundalk as well.
10: Well, I was listening to Brendan there as he was talking here and he was saying, Go back to 74. I can go back to, um, when about '66, Jerry, when the O'E park pitch was turned around. It's now running towards parallel to the Carrickmacross Cross Road, but before that, it was, was at 90 an degree angle. Yeah. And, uh, the late Vincent McKee came in as uh, <coughs> a young chairman, and he turned things around and built the, built the stand, which, of course, needs replacement now. And, uh, it was a good team then.
1: Yeah, there's been great teams, hasn't there, through the years. Dundalk have always been there. They've always been uh, predominant in Irish football. You know, they they might go down a little bit, but they're always back there knocking at the door. I'll say the same to you again. Like, this is unprecedented, this era. But does any of the others stick with you, any of the earlier teams?
10: Oh, yeah, I go back any time I get talking to Stephen, Stephen Kenny, who was always very uh, approachable. I'd um, congratulate on, on having a good team, but I'd always remarked then that uh, not as good as the team, I supported." Which was Blount, uh, Brendan McCone, Wellington, Fox, and Murray, Gilmore Turner, Hale, Hannigan and O'Connell. Every week, weekend, in, week
1: <laughs> Just rhyme them off as if it were today, Anthony.
10: Yeah, and at that time, as you know, the, the, the 12th man had been introduced, I think,
1: only a couple of years.
10: and But you're only allowed to introduce him in uh, injury. You couldn't kind of make a tactical substitution. Yeah. And yeah. then, um, after that, then, we got into um, the 13th man. So. Mm. I so so,
1: what do you think for Sunday again I'll ask you this before we finish what's your yeah, feeling I about think, the game
10: I think it'll be very close you've got the two best teams um, up against each other neutral venue I can see it going to um, extra time and um, maybe then dark might sneak it
1: Great stuff boys Have to leave it there Good luck to you all Have a great day on Sunday Brendan thank you for joining me Thank nice, you Anthony nice. Hi thanks a million And thanks to Sean and Marky as well Good luck to the Lily Whites On Sunday in the Aviva Stadium And reminding you again We've two massive soccer games Finharp Strahd tonight LMFM.ie on the app Same on Sunday Sunday Sport The showpiece The centrepiece Is the cup final Dundalk and Sham Grovers From the Aviva David Sheen and the crew Adrian Taft there Bringing you commentary as well Join us on Sunday Sport That's a lot on Lunch for this week. Thank you so much to all our guests on the show. Thanks to the brilliant Louise Walls. Thank you, Louise, for everything, and of course, thank you to you, our lovely listeners. Have a lovely weekend. Have a great weekend. Good luck to the two soccer teams tonight and on Sunday, and we'll be back here to do it all again with a brand new week of late lunch on Monday. Let's leave you in the company of Mr Big to be with you. Stay with us.
0: Hold on, little girl. Show me what he said. So come on baby, come on over, let me be the one to show you. I'm the one who wants to be with you. Deep inside I hope. Talk too much, I've seen it all go down. The game of love was already. The late lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Undog. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work.